Your life's not over. It's time to reach up like never before. Reach for all that God has for you. Stretch forward your faith. You can do the impossible if you'll dare to believe God. Today is your day for spiritual breakthrough, revelation, reformation, reclamation. If God be for you, who can stand against you? A thousand may fall at your left and 10,000 at your right, but it will not come nigh your dwelling. It's time, body of Christ, to stand firm on the word of God and believe the impossible. Today is your day for salvation. Tomorrow's over. Your past is behind you, but your future is shining bright ahead of you. Lift up your eyes. saying today is your day and if you'll dare to believe me I'm going to astound you I'm going to make all your critics tongues fall out of their mouth their eyes are not going to believe what they're about to behold because I am taking you from the ash heap from the dung hills of this life and I am setting you among princes I'm raising you up to reach a generation for me forget yesterday. you got to forget about your past. It's over. Don't let the enemy remind you of your yesterday anytime. God's not speaking to you about your yesterday. He's speaking to you about your tomorrow. Anything is possible. Well, today, some of y'all have been asking for this for a long time. And uh, I remembered today, I brought some of our product, and uh, believe it or not, these two guys that are on there, one of them is me. That's been a minute ago. That's a, a album that we recorded at the uh, Perry Stone Ministry Center in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee. And some of the people that uh, are on this album include... Um, now, they're all saved, okay? They're just friends of ours. But different members of the Eddie James Band, the Israel Houghton and New Breed Band, also people from American Idol, um, the now um, music director for Free Chapel, Jensen Franklin in Gainesville, Georgia. So that's here and available. My brother's book entitled My Healer. If you've never gotten this, you should get this. We ordered the same amount of books, okay? And my brother's book has sold, outsold mine three to one. I think it's because it's smaller and people's attention spans are not that big. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it, okay? This is such a powerful book, his story of being healed from terminal lymphoma cancer. If you've never read the story, heard about it, um, we've sent these books all over the world. People have bought them off Amazon from literally all over the world. And we get reports still to this day of people being healed after grabbing hold of the truths from the Word of God that are contained within here. All right? So I encourage you to get, get that if you want it. There, I don't have very many of them. I'm going to have to reprint. And then I brought my book, The Inferno Experience. Now, Sister... Daly's been on me about this for months. And I've done a bad job, haven't I, Sister Daly? But I'm coming out of timeout today. I brought this, and uh, I'm actually going to preach from a chapter in this book today, a message from this. But um, this is my story of being burned um, in 2007. I was in a, a building fire and had third and fourth degree burns on my leg. Almost lost my leg. Sometime I'll bring for you some of the apparatuses that they had. It's the largest circumferential burn. That's a burn that goes all the way around the limb ever recorded in the history of Ohio State Medical Center. True, true. They brought in doctors and specialists from all over. They told me they were going to cut my leg off. And I told them, you can't cut my leg off because two weeks before this happened, we were in a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night, 
and a person gave me a word of prophecy that I was getting ready to run throughout the middle Ohio Valley for Jesus. You can't run with one leg. You just hopping. See, God's specific. If I would only had one leg, he'd say, you're getting ready to hop all throughout the valley. But he said, run. So I told the doctor, don't cut my leg off. And I was in the burn unit for 21 days. I was supposed to be in the hospital for a total of about two months. But I walked out of there after three weeks and began to run. Began to, you know, I, at that point in time, I, I ran a lot. But there's a lot of pictures in here where you can see, you know, it's black and white. But I'll show you some of the color pictures sometime. But uh, here, take a look at that. How, how's that look? Does that look gruesome? Looks like something out of Freddy Krueger. And uh, my leg is hanging by 10-inch stainless steel screws about that big around. But through this, a man walked into my college, or excuse me, into my uh, hospital room, and he said, do you know who I am? And I said, uh, yes, I do. I've seen you on television. He said, my name is Ronnie Harrison, and I was here on third floor visiting so-and-so, and... Uh, the Holy Spirit told me to come to your room. Are you saved? And I said, well, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. He said, okay. And I had, you know, Christian music playing on the laptop. And all of a sudden, you could see the Holy Ghost hit him. And he said, well, uh, the Lord has spoke to me. My wife and I want to pay your way to Bible college. I said, awesome. What Bible college? He said, World Harvest Bible College. I thought, cool. No, you had one. Sounds great. He said, here's the only thing. Now, this happened around July 4th. He said, school starts on the 1st of August, and you got to be there or your scholarship, you know, it, I got, I'm going to pay for somebody else. So I knew the Lord was going to bring me out of there. Right? I came out of there, and through that, God launched our ministry. There's a bunch of pictures in here that you can check out, but uh, there we are with Aaron Lindsay and Israel and Mariah Houghton, Ricardo Sanchez, um, Darlene Sheck, William McDowell, all these people that we ministered with, Sam Hinn, Benny Hinn's brother, David Binion, different people, Ellen Parsley, Pastor Parsley, et cetera, et cetera. Point is, it'll bless you, okay? You should get the book, and uh, we have some here. We'll make you a deal or whatever. That's not, not the reason that I brought the book to sell you some. I brought it because the Lord laid on my heart to share with you from this today, and I'm going to endeavor to do my best. Let me give you some of the chapter titles uh, because this is, I didn't realize how prophetic this was until I began to see the things that are happening in the world over the last, um, over the last, you know, couple of years. Here's some of the chapter titles. The Enemy's Objective. Identity crisis, discovering your identity, knowing is power, experiencing the fire, the fellowship of the fire, changing a nation, shaping a generation. The power to be changed is the power to break chains, popular or powerful. Now, those chapter titles might not catch you, uh, just, you know, reach out and grab you right away. But let me tell you, in those chapters, what I'm talking about Remember, this is written almost 10 years ago now. What I'm talking about, because in the hospital room, the Lord gave me a download from Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to read from there in just a moment. And he, he gave me this book over the course of about three hours in the hospital room in Columbus, Ohio. And I left there, went through college, and then spent about... 40 days praying and fasting in a little house out in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, and re, you know, reviewed my notes and wrote this book. And it was a summation of the download that God gave me. And, you know, I was angry with God. I was like, God, why, why did I get burned? Why am I here? I mean, you know, youth pastor, I love you. I'm serving you. This isn't fair. And I had what was at that time the first vision open vision I've ever had from the Lord. 
and the Lord showed me. I mean, it was like I was there for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I could see the three Hebrew boys in the fire. And they brought them in there bound with the yokes of Babylon. And Babylon means confusion, to babble like a baby. And because they had a relationship with the fire of God, as they go into the fire, they're not burned. They don't even smell like smoke, but the yokes of confusion are burnt off of them. Now, you got to remember 2012, we didn't have a lot of the, you know, transgenderism and all the things that we're facing today. You know, there was no Black Lives Matter movement. There was no, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And by the way, let me just tell you, I believe Black Lives Matter. But I don't believe in burning down cities and destroying our nation to prove that point, right? So the moniker I'm with, the movement I'm not. Amen to that. And we didn't have a lot of the openly, overtly crazy stuff that's going on right now. And the Lord told me, he said, we have an identity crisis in this nation. And, and the young people specifically are facing and will face a major identity crisis. And then he began to show me that the purpose is purpose. The purpose is purpose. They began to show me how the enemy deceives and tries to attack, manipulate, use, devour, the Bible says, destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. And so as I began to see this, have revelation of this, write these things down. I wrote this down, this book down, and honestly, at the end of, of writing the book and we got them printed, I felt like a total failure. I thought, God, the stuff in this book and, and honestly, I would go places and preach from some of it, and pastors would, would, would just say, you know what, um, you know, none of that's happening. I'm like, I don't know, it's just what God gave me. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What, you know I'm, I'm just a messenger. I would tell them, I'm not a preacher, I'm just a messenger. Right? I don't know what to tell you. But now, fast forwarding to 2021, 2022, all of these things are beginning to take place. Let's draw a text and get into the Word of God. Daniel chapter 3 Let's go verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, calls to be or made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits or 90 feet and its breadth was 6 cubits or 9 feet. Think about this thing. 90 feet by 9. There's another image that's been made. In fact, it debuted or will debut in Arizona and then travel across the United States that is 100 foot tall 10 feet taller than this, same width. Image is a image that can take on the image of anybody. In other words, it's covered with LED panels and different things, and it's a, a giant image. And in the headlines that I was reading about it earlier this year, it said the image can speak. Come and see the image that can speak, the image that can move. It'll amaze you. Well, that's nothing new. This has happened here. He's got a 90-foot-tall, solid gold image. What's the image of? Well, the image is of himself because at this time, a little bit of history for you, the leaders of city-states like Babylon believed themselves to be descended from gods or fallen angels, and so the image is of himself, and he's proclaiming himself to be a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together all the satraps, the deputies, the governors, the judges, the, the chief stargazers, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, the lawyers, and all the chief officials of the provinces to come to the ded dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had caused to be set up. Then everybody gathered together, and they stood before. In verse 4, then the herald cried out, You're commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the dulcimer, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and you're to worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. By the way, music, music contains within it the thrust 
or if you will, the embodiment of the culture of the day. Yeah. Don't believe me? How many of y'all ever like, you know, hear some of that 40s music? What do you think of? Women with poodle dresses, little big band music, everybody, huh? That's my best, right? When you think of the 60s, what do you think of? When you think of the 80s, what do you think of? Right? Thank you, Jim. When you think of the 90s, what do you think of? Back streets, back. Right? Come on now. That's the best. So you're like, Pastor, never do that again. Okay. Just wanted to make sure if you were lying. I'm just talking about pop culture. Right? So music contains within it the embodiment of the culture. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, look, there's an image. You're going to worship it. You're going to bow down and you're going to become part of the culture that I'm setting up here in this nation. You're going to worship. Then it says in verse 5, when you hear the sound, you got to bow down. And verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship, that very hour you'll be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. See, this is what bullies always do. They always set up some kind of big thing right here and say, listen, if you don't do what I say, then I'm going to punish you by this. Come on now. Thank God for people with a backbone that are plugged into the Holy Spirit that know how to stand. So let's see what happens here. Uh, and therefore, when all the peoples heard the music, the sound, they all fell down and they worshiped the golden image. And at that time, certain men of the Chaldeans, uh, they brought up malicious accusations against the Jews. So now it's telling us that, listen, there, there's a little bit of, of backstory here, that there's some people that are hating the Jews. There's some people that, isn't it amazing when you're living for God, that if you're doing the right thing, people will come out of the woodworks just to hate you. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. You haven't done anything to them. You've never said anything to them. But they, they go out of their way to be ugly to you. Why? Because something inside of you irritates something inside of them. And so they, they, here's this backstory. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, King, live forever. You made a decree. Verse 11. Whoever doesn't fall down and worship is going to be thrown in. Verse 12. Therefore, certain Jews that you've appointed over Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not bowing down. They're not paying attention. They're not paying homage. They're not worshiping. The Nebuchadnezzar was in rage and in fury. And he commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be brought before him, before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, why have you bowed down and worship? And now if you hear the sound, he's going to give them a second chance, bow down and worship. But if you don't bow down and worship, you'll be thrown uh, in, into the fiery furnace. And who can deliver you out of my hands? Sounds like some of the stuff we got going on today. Do what I say or lose your job. Better be careful, government officials. Better be careful, public health officials. You better not mess with the body of Christ. Hello? Touch not the blood and don't touch the oil. Because if you start trying to bully and persecute the people of God, God's going to flip the script on you. Oh, come on now. I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. In fact, I'll just tell you, there's some stuff you've been getting away with, been doing in secret, and you think it's okay and no one's going to find out about it. But if you mess with the church, if you mess with the people of God, if you continue in this kind of mess, you're going to find out that the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac is dwelling amongst his people, and he defends his people. Hallelujah. A couple of y'all don't believe that. Hallelujah. But you should believe it. You should believe that you have a God that fights on your behalf. In fact, the Bible says that, for the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. You can just sit back and sip your latte. God's got this. 
I don't know what you're facing, but that's a word for you today. And then Nebuchadnezzar, uh, so, so let's, let's go to verse 17. Uh, no, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, listen, it's not necessary for us to answer. We don't even need to give an answer. Because our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. So, you know, you read this in the King James, and it almost sounds like they're saying, well, our God is able, but we're not sure if he will. But actually, if you read it here in the Amplified, he's saying, they're saying this, if the God that we serve is who we say he is, he will not allow us to be consumed in your fire. Yeah, that's the statement that they're making. They're saying, if the God that we serve is who we say he is, then you can throw us in the fiery furnace, but we're not going to be burned up in that thing. Hallelujah. Brother Ray, uh, on that back thing, make your turn the heat up a little bit. We've got people in here shivering, and it's, they're not under the power of the Holy Spirit. They're just cold. And then it says this, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and his facial expression changed to antagonism against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he commanded that the fiery furnace should be heated seven times hotter. Woo, hallelujah. Seven times hotter. Then he said, bind them up. Here they're bound with the yokes of confusion. Throw them in the fire. And they, they threw them up. They, they began to take them towards the fire. But because the king had made the fire, the fiery furnace so much hotter, the flame, the, the backflash came out of there when they opened the door, and it killed the men, the guards that were trying to put them in the fiery furnace. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, saw and was astounded and jumped up and said to his counselors, hold on just a second now, didn't we put three guys in this, in this thing here? D didn't we come against just a, just a tiny little remnant here? But, but I see four in the fire. A lot of times as Christians, we spend a lot of time praying and whining and begging to try to avoid the fire. But it's in the fire that you'll discover that the Son of God is right there with you. Hallelujah. You can't know him as a deliverer if he never delivers you from anything. Oh, come on, somebody. So you think God had forgotten you or he's been mean to you. But God has been playing the devil from the beginning. He's been allowing this kind of stuff to go on in your life for a while because he's going to show up and show out and show himself strong. Just, just turn down the reverb just a little bit, Brother Ray. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Just a little bit. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, Did, didn't we throw in three? And they said, yeah, we did. And he said, behold, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the fiery furnace and said, Hey! Fellas, is that you? You okay in there? Yeah, yeah, we're good. And he cried out and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are servants of the Most High God. Come out and come up here to me. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the midst of the fire. There's something to be learned here because the fire that you've been in, you can step out when you're ready. Whatever trap the enemy has set for you, you can come out of that whenever you're ready. I don't care if it's drug addiction. I don't care if it's depression. I don't care if it's alcoholism. I don't care if it's addiction to pornography. I don't care if it's being mean to your cat. You can come out of that mess. Whenever you're ready, because there's a fourth man in the fire. Here we go. And so they came out. Notice what happened here. And they came out, and they noticed that the fire had no power over their bodies, that the hair of their head wasn't singed, nor were their garments scorched. 
nor, nor changed in any color or condition, nor did they even have the smell of smoke clung to them. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Come out of that thing smelling like roses. Hallelujah. I just want to tell you today, the devil can't do you any damage. He can't harm you in any way. God has already given you the victory, and you're going to come out of this thing smelling like roses. Can I tell you that the true body of Christ is going to come out of all this mess smelling like roses? We're not even going to have the fire of yesterday, the smell of smoke on us. The power of God is keeping you and bringing you through that thing. Hallelujah. Now notice this. They came out, and this is something powerful that happens here. They came out, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Blessed is the God of these three men who sent his angel and delivered his servants who believed in, who trusted in, who relied on him. And they set aside the king's command, and they yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Now notice here, therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, language, that speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut to pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill. For there is no God who can deliver in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in one day, an entire nation and an entire generation was shaped and changed in that day because three men had an I will not bow in their spirit. Yeah. See, that's what the Bible says in the New Testament. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Some of y'all need to resist the devil. He's been trying to come on your children for far too long. You need to resist the devil. You need to take up the shield of faith and stand against the enemy. Hallelujah. The enemy's been trying to come after your marriage too long. You need to resist the devil. Uh-uh. You just need to resist the devil. The devil's been trying to come after your money too long. You need to resist the devil. I refuse. What does it mean to resist the devil? I refuse to go one more moment that direction. I'm not going to allow the devil to do that one more day in my life. No way. I'm not putting up with that. That's what it means to resist the devil. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to stand against. I won't bow. If they tell you you're going to die of cancer, you ought to resist the devil. I'll, let, I'll tell you, my, my brother, when he was diagnosed with cancer, we, we, we were, you know, went to Athens to the emergency room, and they said, listen, uh, after several hours of testing, doctor came in and said, you have a very aggressive form of lymphoma cancer. You've got a tumor about the size of a football in your leg, at probably testicular cancer. It's all over you, and it's not good. You need to go to James Cancer Medical Center tonight. And the doctor just went on and on and on. I'm thankful for doctors, but, you know, they can get over into negative stuff because they're just seeing with eyes of science. They're not seeing with eyes of the supernatural. And after a while, I asked the doctor, I said, well, I appreciate all that, doctor. Could, could you just give us about five minutes and close the door because we're going to pray. And he got mad, turned around, slammed the door. But you know what I did? I stepped up in front of my brother, my mother, and my parents. I said, uh-uh. We ain't even going down this road. You're not going to receive one chemo treatment. You won't lose your hair. You're not going to die, but you're going to live and proclaim the works and the word of Almighty God. We ain't going down this road. We ain't going down this road. No, the God that I serve is able to deliver me from it. We ain't going down this road. Not one more moment. And see, that's what it's going to take in your life. If you're going to step into the goodness of God, you're going to have to have something in your spirit. Rise up and say, ask for me. In my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. I ain't putting up with your junk today, devil. Uh-uh. Not in my house. In fact, some of y'all just need to go home and tell the devil, get the hell out of here. Some are looking at me like, oh, my God, pastor. No. Now, listen to me. Devil, you and all the hell get out of my home. 
That's what you need to decree and declare. I'm not cursing. I'm letting you know. And so I wrote in the book, whether you realize it or not, you're engaged in a war, a war with the forces of hell, a war with the enemy of your soul. In fact, it's an age-old war. This war is waged in an invisible world with invisible tactics. However, the ramifications of this war are directly affecting and totally dictating the events of the visible world. So in other words, though you may not see actual bullets whizzing by your head or feel mortars exploding nearby, though you may not physically see or hear enemy troops advancing on your position, this doesn't diminish the startling truth that the effects of this war are apparent all around you. Each time you see a marriage on the rocks with two people who were once in love now going their separate ways, you've seen the fingerprint of the enemy. As you look around and see people created in the image of God, made in his very likeness, destroying their bodies through the use of drugs or alcohol, cutting, and other vile practices of self-destruction or addiction, you see his scheming in action. At the heart of these behaviors, it's not that individuals seek to destroy their relationships or their bodies. Actually, the truth is quite the opposite. Each person is born with a desire to care for and to procreate themselves. That's what Genesis 1 and 28 is all about. But many people have turned to destructive devices trying to deal with and cope with inner wounds left in the soulish area of a person. And those wounds are the aftermath and the real evidence of an unseen war that in some way at some time comes to us all. I would go to churches and preach this in 2012, and pastors would look at me like I just stepped off the crazy bus. We're engaged in a war? What are you talking about? We're not engaged in a war. What do you mean? What's going on? But then I go on to talk about, and this is what I want you to get today. This is the part that I, I want you to understand. Jesus, excuse me, God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, he said, be blessed, be fruitful, and multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over, and he names, the fish of the sea, the fowl, everything. But in order to subdue something, you got to first cause through contentious struggle or war on some level the opposing person, party, animal, or object to come under submission. You may say, in order to subdue it, we must first submit it. Think about those cage fighters. They had a big, you know, cage fight last night. If you want to be the winner, if you want to subdue your enemy, you got to submit the enemy. You can either do that through knocking that joker out or putting him in some type of a submission hold, and you have dominion over that person. But see, dominion is not achieved by merit alone. This is where a lot of Christians have missed it. Dominion is not achieved by merit alone. A lot of Christians think that just because I come to church and I'm saved and on my way to heaven, that now all of a sudden, anytime the enemy comes my way, I just, you know, I just kind of, oh, I, ha I have dominion. That's it. But there's actually a process outlined in Scripture to being victorious concerning the plan of the enemy for your life. There's a process by, one, by which one begins to govern, by, one, by which one begins to rule. And it's true that Adam was the son of God. We understand that. But Adam still had to actively attend to the very real threats that opposed him. And we, we all know the story about when he didn't. But look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 and going through 18, it says this, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, it's not your might, it's his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, verse 11 tells us why and then how we're supposed to be strong. Check this out. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. What's the wiles? What does that mean in today's language? It means the tactical plan of the enemy. The tactical plan of the enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle. What does it mean to wrestle? It means to fight, to combat, to stand against. 
principalities, against militant powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Hallelujah. Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Hallelujah. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. See, sometimes you're standing and believing and the circumstances around you are looking impossible. And that's when a lot of people concede victory. But see, the devil is not guaranteed victory. You're guaranteed victory. You've just got to stand. Isn't that what happened in Daniel 3? Three boys are just standing in a field somewhere. They're just standing out there saying, listen, I'm not going to bow down to your mess. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar says, put them in the fiery furnace. And what do they do in the fire? They're just standing in there, man, whistling Dixie. And Nebuchadnezzar looks over and says, my goodness, there were three, now there's four, and one of them has the appearance of the Son of God. And all they were doing is standing. See, if you'll put on the armor of God and stand up to the devil, it may look like things aren't going to work out. But if you just keep standing in faith, the devil's got to let you go. The devil's got to let your children go. The devil's got to let your family go. The devil's got to let your finances go. You ought to just stand. Hallelujah. And notice what it says here. If you're going to be able to stand, you've got to stand with the whole armor of God. But what does armor anticipate? Armor anticipates a battle. I can't tell you the number of times in my life and ministry I have seen people, Christian people, good people, that when the battle comes their way, they just concede their children. They just give up on their children. Well, you know, I raised them in the right way, and when they're older, they'll come back to it. That's not what it says. It says if you train them up in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart, meaning that they never depart. See, some of y'all did a good job at training, but you don't know how to fight the enemy yet. So the devil's coming in, and he's wreaking havoc. But if you'll just stand up and rear up at the devil, having put on the whole armor of God, and decree and declare something over your children. You're going to see God show up and show out on your behalf. Hallelujah. So you need to get this in your spirit today. Hallelujah. I pray that God puts a fighting spirit inside of every one of you. Some of y'all used to shut down the bars. You'd fight at the drop of a hat, right? But now this is the image that Western religion has given us of Christians. Right? You'd have punched a bully in the mouth a long time ago. But now that you're in the kingdom, you think this is... Mm -mm. No, no. No. You ought to go on the war path in prayer. You ought to go on the war path in prayer. You ought to decree and declare some things over your life. Isn't that what Jesus said in this parable? about the wicked judge, the unrighteous judge. He said this mom had lost her boys and they were out there and she was beating away the buzzards and she kept coming every day, every day to the judge saying, hey, you got to bury my boys. You got to bury my boys. I don't have the money. You got to bury my boys. And the judge said, not because I'm righteous, but because I'm tired of hearing you, I'm going to go ahead and do what you say. What, what, what's the meaning of the story? The meaning of the story is if you just keep on keeping on, if you just keep on keeping on, before long, the devil is going to have to leave you alone. I don't know if you're getting this or not. And then it says, stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith, where which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to fight the devil praying in the Holy Spirit. You, you see why I'm, I'm leading you? into the Holy Ghost every week. I'm leading you into the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. You've already been given authority over the devil. 
I'll tell you what, something's been happening around here. In fact, I heard some of the prayer reports, praise reports this week about miracles taking place. If, if you've been seeing miracles take place through prayer, just wave your hand at me. I see it. And, and some of these, you know, I, I won't get into all the details, but I, I heard that Corey just began to pray and decree and declare some things in faith and that God has been showing up and showing, I don't want to say a lot because, you know, there's Facebook and people are watching some stuff's nobody's business, but God's been moving and showing up and doing not only in his life, but in his mom and stepdad's life. All because somebody took a stand. You don't have to be second best. You don't have to play second fiddle to anyone. Certainly the devil. You can decree and declare some things in faith and see God show up and move. Somebody say amen. See, the armor of God is not for the squabble you may have with your spouse, the trouble you may be in with your parents. It, is, it isn't even needed for an occasional speeding ticket, a flat tire, a missing sock, a traffic jam. The scripture is clear. You have to be standing in the strength of God, having the whole armor of God, which he provides in order to stand against or fight the regimented violent enemy in the person of the devil who is organized and cunning in his tactics. So all this is in there. See, every born-again believer, doesn't matter if they're Catholic or charismatic, if they're born again, the armor of God is necessary for every position of service in the body of Christ. Whether you're a janitor, am I still on? I'm still on. Casual attender. Paul is letting us know that we need the armor of God. We need to be, you know, he gives a picture of the, the military garb that the Roman soldiers would have worn at that time. And he says, you got to have this armor on. you got to have this thing on so that you can stand against the enemy. I want to ask you to, to stand with me right now as we, we begin to close this service. But I want you to get this in your spirit. Some of you are going to go out of here today with a totally new, completely new outlook and agenda on life concerning God's plan and God's purpose for you. Steve and I were at Tractor Supply the other day. We were getting the baptismal tank. By the way, Steve, thanks for letting us use your truck and all that stuff. And as we're in the store, the lady comes up and she's helping us with the heater and all the stuff. Just keep, keep it low, Brother Ray. Thank you. You're doing an awesome job. And she says, I said, wow, you're a good worker. You've been here long? No, just transferred over from Lowe's not too long ago, whatever, whatever. I said, really? That's awesome. We talked for a minute. And I said, can I pray with you? Can I pray a blessing over you? And she said, sure, sure. I took her hand. I prayed a blessing and protection over her and her family. And God touched her in that moment because we turned around to leave. We had to tell her bye three or four times, didn't we, Steve? She just kept following us towards the door. We're like, do you need anything else? No, no, we're good. She said, I eat her at work. I said, thank you, man. You have a happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, all this stuff. We keep walking. She's behind us still, just going on. Anything else? You sure? Nothing else you need? No, ma'am. I said, but I want to invite you to church sometime. She said, I might come. She said, I might come. Then we go outside, and there's another young man there. And he's just started working there. And he's doing a great job. And I asked him if I could pray, pray with him, and I invited him to church. What, what am I doing? You trying to get people to come to church? Well, that's great, and we want that. But you know what I'm doing? I'm a weapon in the hand of the Lord. I'm speaking encouragement into people's lives. Some people are trying to give up and quit right now. The enemy's got them right where he wants them. And they don't know. They don't know that there's a God. Oh, they know about church. They know about religion. But they haven't seen the fourth man in the fire. <laughs> no, no. No, they haven't seen somebody that can stand up to the devil and have the power of God flowing through their words and their action, and it's destroying the kingdom. They've never seen that. They've never seen a God who heals cancer. 
They've never seen a God who provides financially. They've never seen a God who can part the Red Sea. Yeah, that's why Joshua said, when you cross the River Jordan, get stones from in the bottom of the river and build a memorial so that you can tell your children about the God that has taken us out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. Hallelujah. You know what this book is? This is a stone. This is a stone that what the enemy meant for evil, God will make it good. God will make it good. So I didn't have money to go to Bible college. I was just youth pastoring in a small little town. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the hospital, and the doctor says, I'm going to cut off your leg. And I said, don't you cut off my leg. He said, sign these papers in case I have to. I said, I'm not signing those papers. You let me die, but you don't cut off my leg. Uh-uh. I'm like Gus. You know what I mean? How many of y'all lonesome dove? Y'all ain't, ain't taking my leg. All right? Some of y'all don't know. Some of y'all too, too young for that. You don't know lonesome dove. Do yourself a favor. Go home and watch lonesome dove. Because I knew that I couldn't preach the gospel around the world and do what God had called me to do with one leg. I'm laying in the hospital room saying, God, why? God, why is this happening? Lord, what's going on? What have I done? I was mad. I was angry. I said, God, I just don't understand this. And all of a sudden, the man comes in. The rest of the stories, we went to Bible college. My brother didn't have a scholarship in two weeks. The, the, the two weeks chapel started. He came to the chapel service. In the door comes in Ellen Parsley, Rod Parsley's mother. She said, I was on my way to fly to so-and-so today, but the Holy Spirit told me to come by the Bible college my next Minister of music is going to travel with me is in this room. 1,200 students. She said, does anybody play the piano? Well, I knew people there that played the piano. I'd met them. Nobody raised their hand. She asked three times. Finally, I took my brother's hand, put it up. He's not enrolled in college. He's just visiting for chapel. She says, you, come down here. He comes down. He plays and sings a song. That's beautiful. She said, that's great. But the Holy Spirit told me that the person that's supposed to be my next music minister 103 specific Jimmy Swaggart songs. I'm not going to tell you the songs. Do you know Jimmy Swaggart? Well, two weeks before that, somehow, a Jimmy Swaggart CD showed up at our house. We don't know who sent it to us. He'd been playing and listening to those, and the three songs that he liked, she didn't tell him what songs, the three songs that he liked the most, he played one back-to-back. She said, those are the three songs. Stand up. She prayed over him. He goes out into the power of the Holy Spirit, gets up off the floor. She says, who are you? He says, Isaac Bradford. She says, you're my next musical, uh, minister of music. Are you a student here? He says, no, I can't afford to be a student. She says, you can now. You got a full-ride scholarship. By the way, I'm paying for your apartment. By the way, you're hired. I'll pay you a salary. Do you know what she does? You know what she does? She says, and you know what? I like your spirit. You're the new adjunct professor of music here. Yeah. She says, the person we have now doesn't have a servant spirit. They were in the room. Yeah, that's what happened. And he says, I got my brothers here. And then Ronnie comes over and says, yeah. And he's on, he's on scholarship. She says, stand up. Do you play anything? I said, yeah, I play. She said, yeah, but you got a gift to preach too. I said, yeah, I do, but I play drums, guitar, bass, whatever. She says, you're hired. I'll pay for you. See, because at that time, we were driving back and forth from Pomeroy to Columbus. I was driving four days a week. Leave my house at 4 a.m., get up there, 19 and a half college credit hours, go to school all day, drive back home, get home about, you know, 8 at night after I'd studied and done the things I needed to do for music and whatever, get up and do it again. She said, you're not going to do that anymore. I got an apartment for you. I'm going to take care of everything. Yeah, yeah. So, see, I, I'm in the hospital thinking, you're going to die. You're going to lose your leg. They're saying that. I mean, I'm standing in faith, but, you know, these are the doctors. And all of a sudden, everything turns around. If I wouldn't have been in the hospital, that I wouldn't have that story. And, and, and if things wouldn't have happened just like that. So all of a sudden, we're flying all around the nation 
and then around the world in ministry, 13 different nations in Africa, seeing thousands of people come to the Lord, and everything was launched through the fire that the enemy set to destroy my life. See, when the Bible says he'll raise you up from the ashes and set you among princes, that's what it means. Yeah, yeah, you can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord. Even though the fight is happening all around you. In the heat of the storm, the enemy hopes you'll give up and you'll give up your destiny. That's what the story of Jacob and Esau is. You know, Esau comes in, he's got the birthright, he's got the blessing, but in the time of hunger, distress, he says, I'm so hungry, I'll give up what's mine. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to cause circumstances and situations to come so that you give up on what God has promised you because the enemy can't take it from you. He might delay you, but he cannot deny you. See, you need to understand that. Some of y'all have gone through so much hell. You've had so much hell happen in your life that you think you're disqualified from the blessings of God. But you're not disqualified from the blessings of God. There is nothing that the devil has done in your life that God can't do something about it right now. See, you're a son and a daughter of God himself. He has great and mighty plans for your life. God has a specific purpose for you to fulfill. There's greatness in you. That's why there's a fight. The fight, the opposition, is evidence that there's greatness in you. The fight is evidence that there's greatness in you. I'm going to say it again. The fight is evidence that there's something great inside of you. You might not know it yet, but the devil knows it. Yeah, that's why he was seeking after Moses, because I heard there's going to be a deliverer. I better kill them while they're young. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. The delivering power of God is operating in you right now to destroy and break the yoke of the enemy. The enemy is jealous, and he'll stop at nothing except a bloodbath, spirit-filled man or woman that's armed and ready to speak the word of God, standing day and night in the secret place to see the hand of God move and destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Yeah, you ought to practice no. You ought to just tell the devil no. Uh-uh. Not today, devil. Not today, devil. My house is blessed. Not today, devil. My children are blessed. Not today, devil. Come on. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and give a rating. To learn more about our ministry, go to bradfordministries.net.